so I was thinking about the definition of the word free. And it occurred to me that free means that there's no cost, but it doesn't mean that there's no value, does it? Because we don't lose value because of freedom. And I think sometimes that's what we think. We think if something's free, then it must not be worth very much. It must not be very valuable. It must, like there's something wrong if it's free. You know, like you kind of say, well, you know, you get what you pay for. And it's better if you pay more for it. And, and, you know, it's true. I mean, you know, if you buy quality, it's going to be better. But that's not true when it comes to spiritual matters, and especially this particular spiritual matter. Free doesn't mean that there's any value lost at all. And, in fact, in my experience these days, free means that there's value gained. Uh, so I think, again, like so many things, what God believes and, and teaches and shows and gives is exactly the opposite of the world, isn't it? The world says this, and God says, nope, exactly the opposite. And it's such a crazy thing because we see that over and over again, don't we? And that's what we're going to talk about next. Um, interestingly enough, I sat down at lunch, and the gals that I was sitting with immediately started talking about this very subject. They were like, so what about this? And I'm like, interesting, because that's exactly what we're talking about next. So our third part of this freedom is called that we are no longer slaves to sin, we are not under the law, and we are not of this world, ladies. And this is, I think, man, such an important message for us to hear. Um, because the church, unfortunately, has bought too far into the world, the culture and the concepts and the beliefs of the world. And as Christians, we, will, we can often find ourselves living as the world, not in a way of living like in sin as the world, but living as the world, buying into what the world says is right or wrong, buying into the, what the world says is good, buying into what the world says should be our culture and our way of living and looking and whatnot. And it's bondage. It can be absolute bondage because it's not biblical, most of it. It's not taught anywhere in the Bible, and yet we embrace it into our lives. So today we're going to look at the fact that we are not of this world. We are no longer of this world. Amen? Where is our home? It's in heaven. And, you know, we, we can't even begin to grasp the concept of heaven, can we? Because we live in time and we're finite. So I look outside and I say that it's beautiful here right now. It's really beautiful, isn't it? Well, heaven is so much more beautiful. Take this and multiply it by thousands or hundreds of thousands, and that's going to be heaven. But we can't wrap our brain around it. You know? So we draw pictures of little angels and clouds and harps and I, I don't know, you know. And it's like that is so far from what I anticipate it's going to be like. John wrote about it in the book of Revelation, and he said it was so grand he couldn't even describe it with words. He didn't even know how to talk about it or describe it because he didn't have words that fit what he saw. We can go over to Revelation and read the whole picture that's drawn of the, the walls made of stones and gems and the streets that are pure gold, but they're crystal clear because the gold is so pure that you can see through it. I mean, we can't even like, like we have no idea. We have nothing to compare that to, do we? We have no idea. And so instead, we take our here and now and we begin to think that this is the best and this is the best it's going to be. And so we begin to settle into this world and we begin to buy into this world and then we ultimately come under bondage to this world and then we're not free like God wants us to be. He wants us to be free because he wants us to be remembering that this is not our home. This is not your home, ladies. Let's say that out loud. This is not my home. This is not my home. Is not my home. 
I have a heavenly home waiting for me, and I can hardly wait to get there. I'd like to just go right now, you know? And so we need to take a light, light touch on this world. And not just the things and the stuff of this world. I think so often when we hear that, we think of stuff. But the culture of this world, the beliefs of this world, the directives of this world, we need to take a light touch on those things. And we need to say, wait a minute, does God say? And is that really for me? Because who did that sound like? Does God say? You know, that's the enemy. You know, he might not be able to steal away your hope of heaven and your salvation, but he sure can make your life miserable. He can sure get you misdirected so you're so focused on here and now that you just don't even, like, think about things that would give you joy and hope and freedom, you know, because that's what he wants to do. He can't do anything to us, really, except come in and just try to misdirect us, confuse us, stumble us, you know, get us off track, get us off focus. And so that's what he's always trying to do, throwing roadblocks, throwing up smoke, you know, and we get sidetracked. And then he's going, yep, now they're sidetracked for a while, so I don't have to worry about it, you know. And God says, get off the world's track and get on my track, you know. So let's talk about, well, let's look at some verses first. Let's go over to 1 John 2. First John is such a great book. If you haven't taken time to really read First John, I encourage you to do it. So First John 2, 15 through 17, a section of scripture many of you will be um, very familiar with again. And this verse, mind you, handles the three original sins in the garden. And really, if you begin to look at it, every sin that we are involved with falls into one of these categories, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So it says, do not love the world. That's talking about this world system. Do not love the world and the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world, ladies, is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does what? The will of God abides forever. He who does the will of God abides forever. So John says, do not love this world. This world is perishing. This world is passing away. This world is getting darker and stranger by the minute. And we are unquestionably living in the last days. Now we can see the signs all around us. We can see Bible prophecy being fulfilled. We see so much happening right now. And it's crazy. And it can get confusing or it can just get scary if you get involved in it. But don't get involved in it. This isn't your world. Donald Trump isn't your president, I'm sorry to say, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but Jesus is your president. I mean, if you really want to take, you know, who's our king? King Jesus, you know? So, I mean, do we want our politicians to do a good job and that sort of thing? Absolutely. But if you get involved in it, if you get embroiled in it, if you get caught up in it, what's going to result? Sin, because you're going to get despairing or you're going to get angry or you're going to get scared or you're going to be like, i got to go out for a cause. I got, you know, i, I got to, and you're going to, no, this is not our home. 
the things that are going on, they're not, they're not part of what we are. We've been adopted out of this world. So we're in the world. It's like Teresa was saying to me earlier. You know, it's always tough to figure out that line that we're supposed to be in the world but not of the world. And that's, again, like we looked at this morning. There's always that balance, isn't there? That line. Where do you move from being concerned to being worried? Where do you move from being of the world or being in the world? And so everything is about that balance, of finding that line of balance. And for everybody, it's a little bit different because it's based on your calling and on your character. The things that stumble you might not stumble somebody else. You know what I mean? So I can't tell you what that line is. Nobody can. Only the Holy Spirit can tell you what that line is for you. So find that line of balance in your life. And that goes with all of them. You know, find that balance in the things that are things that you can do and can't do in terms of law. Find that balance. So again, with this, we need to find that balance of where, where we are in terms of being part of the world, but, you know, being in the world, being a light, but not being of the world. Okay? Let's go over to 1 Corinthians 7.31. Actually, we're going to start in 29. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on even those who have wives should not be as though they, should be as though they had none, those who weep as though they do not weep, those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use this world as not misusing it. Get that? For the form of this world is passing away. And then he says in 32 this, though, but I want you to be without care. I want you to be without care. This is what God says to us. This world is passing away. And I don't want you to be weighed down with the cares of this world and the burdens of this world. It's okay, gals. God's in control. And not only that, but he told us that the world was going to get really weird and crazy before the end. Didn't he? So why do we run around acting like we're surprised? You know, I go places and Christians tell me they're trying to, they're, they're like trying to pray to change the world. Oh, God, bring us a Christian president and change everything. And it's okay to pray those things. But the reality is that God said, as in the days of Noah, as in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, are going to be the days before I come. And he said, don't be surprised by these things. Don't be afraid of these things. They have to happen because God has to weed out, doesn't he? He has to separate the tares and the wheat now. And that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. And the wheat is going to be very small harvest compared to the tares. You know, people used to say, I remember Chuck, one time when I heard Chuck Smith years ago, and he said, people always say to me, oh, isn't it going to be exciting when we see all the people in heaven? And he said, well, actually, I think it's going to be interesting to see how many people are not there. Because there are so many people sitting in the churches who are not truly surrendered to Christ Jesus and they're going to be separated and that's what's happening right now and that's why we see the church as a whole a lot of the big churches starting to go like this You're starting to hear more and more of this inherent teaching coming out and more and more of this oh hell's not really real and oh you know it's okay if you have this lifestyle now because if Jesus was here today he'd change his mind about it you know like he would be culturally correct 
No, Jesus would not be culturally correct. He would not be politically correct, you know. And so we need to make sure that we aren't getting drug along with this world. And that's what will happen, you know, if we're not careful. So don't get involved with the world, but look at it as an opportunity to share your faith. You know, look for opportunities in the midst of the crazy things going on in the world to share your faith with people to, so that they can see you have peace because that's what they're looking for. And then they'll ask you why you have peace when everything's crazy. But if you don't have peace, if you're acting just like them, then what's, what's that? You know, that, that, that's no good. You know, then you become, you've bought into the world system and you become like them. And yet we're supposed to come out from the world and be light and salt, right? And then Matthew... 2435 And we're going to start 30 30 where are we going doop, doop, doop. 35 um, gosh, there's so many things. Let's do 31, 34. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but, oh, there it is. My words will by no means pass away, but that day and that hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For in those days before the flood there was eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So it's what's happening. It's what's going to happen. It's okay. Take a deep breath. Quit checking the news every day. Just doesn't matter. I try not to even watch it much anymore because I get broiled. And then I go, okay, stop it. Like, really? (laughs) Who cares? You know? It's okay. And it's sad. It's sad. Unquestionably. The condition of the world, the sin that is overrunning man, the, the lunacy, you know. And we know that the Bible teaches that in the last days there's going to be this great deception that is going to come upon man, and they are going to call evil good and good evil. Do you think we're in those days? Do you think the great deception has taken over? I believe it has 100%. When people start saying things that are so absolutely ludicrous that you're thinking, uh, is like, is there some like you, you yeah. there's something wrong with their mind you know seriously people who are going out of their way to protect violent wicked murderers and somehow trying to say that they have the right to be like that that's that's insanity that's the great deception and god tells us that that deception is going to fall upon man and the world is going to be overtaken by it but not us and that's why we see it that's why we go what like <laughs> i don't understand because you're not taken over by the deception, because you have the mind of Christ, because you have the Holy Spirit. So we're covered, we're sealed, remember? So we're not taken by the deception. And so we can see clearly how crazy things are getting. Praise the Lord for that. But don't let it run you down. Don't let it worry you. Don't get involved in it. Just pray that God will give you an opportunity through it to be even brighter for him as you walk forward peacefully knowing that we're on a pilgrimage, right? I love the word pilgrim because you know what it means? It means passing through somewhere with a purpose. That's the definition of a pilgrim. So we are passing through here with a purpose, mind you, but we're passing through. 
and we're heading to another place, another shore. Amen? The crystal shore. Shall we gather at the river? I love that song. Where bright angels' feet have tread. Yeah. Amen. I'm going to cry. I can hardly wait to get there. <laughs> so, in these times that we live in, be careful. We are not of this world. Okay? So, don't take up your cause and your politics. I had somebody that said, you know, with all the abortions you have, you should be out there speaking out against Planned Parenthood. And, you know, I could. I could. I could definitely have a cause in that. And I could probably have a big voice in it. But it, it doesn't matter. I, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do, and it's going to be what it's going to be. If I have an opportunity to share, I will do it, absolutely. But I'm not going to go run out there and search it out and make it my cause because then what am I doing? I'm putting that ahead of God. Honestly, I get so, I'll get so wrapped up in that. I've seen friends do that. They get so wrapped up in causes that they're not even, they're, they're not at church half the time. They're not fellowshipping anymore. They're, they're all about their cause. Every time you see them, they want to tell you how you should join their cause. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, my cause is Jesus. That's my cause, period. That and nothing else, you know, and that should be the way it is for us. So let's talk about, some of those things. Um, going back to First John again, we're going to flip back. We're going to be going back and forth a little bit. I got a lot of scriptures on this one because I think it's really important in the times we're living in. So we're going back to First John chapter four, and we're going to look at four. You are of God, little children, four four, and have overcome them because He who is in you is greater than He who is in this world. Now there's a verse to hang on to, huh? They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. And by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Amen? So they are of the world. We are not of this world, okay? Um, and then John fifteen nineteen. I'm going to get a little bit of exercise here with your Bibles. John fifteen nineteen. Actually, we're going to start in eighteen. Of course, always in context. If the world hates you. You know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Okay? So should we be surprised that they're coming against Christians more and more and more? Everybody else gets all their rights, right? But not us. It's exactly what the Bible said was going to happen. It shouldn't be a surprise. It's okay. Let them take all of our rights away. They can't take anything of value away from us. Not in this world because this is not my home. They can take away every right that I have here as a Christian in this world, and it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't take away my salvation. It doesn't change my eternal position. It doesn't change who I am in Christ. It doesn't matter. How freeing is that? It's just like, yeah, it just doesn't matter. Let them have at it. It's okay. It's what they're going to do anyhow. They're bent on destruction. Amen? Now, 
Let's talk about how we buy into the world, okay? Because we need to be really careful about this. And this is a huge one. I find myself oftentimes talking with women, with uh, young people in this area, um, a lot of counseling in this area. And it's, it, it's so easy to get involved in things and not even realize what we've bought into. So here's some of the ways that we buy into the world. Everybody has to go to college, you know. If you don't go to college, you won't be able to make a good living and have money and you won't have any value. You didn't graduate from high school? You must be stupid or dumb and you're useless. You don't have any purpose. Hmm. Oh, you need to be thin and in shape. You should be going to the gym all the time. You should be gorgeous and beautiful. And oh, you should be wearing nice clothes. I mean, like, do you see what I mean? Like, we buy into this stuff, ladies. Now, there's nothing wrong. You know, I like to, you know, dress and whatnot. But it's not who I am. I don't find my value from this. Um, when my daughter came to college age, um, she had two best friends at the time. And they were all looking at colleges. And we had said to our daughter, because we were really not... We hadn't bought into that culture because we see college. College is one of the most evil places there is. If you didn't know that, the college campus is absolutely outrageously liberal. And it will destroy your children and especially your young girls. Especially your young girls. And the, the professors in those college campuses, they will tell you to your face that they want to destroy any faith that any Christian brings onto their campuses. They, they're not even embarrassed about it anymore. And this was going on back when we had a college group back in the 80s. I mean in the 90s. And the kids would come from college classes to our Bible study, and they'd be like, you wouldn't believe what my professor said today about Christians. I mean, this has been going on for a long time. So our daughter got to college age, and we said to her, you don't have to go to college. Like, we don't, we don't buy into that at all. Like, you seek God, and you do what Jesus wants you to do. And if he wants you to go to college and you're called there, then praise the Lord, because he'll equip you to be called there. But if you are not called there, you don't want to go there. Because being outside of God's will is one of the worst places that you can be. Amen. Amen. So her two other friends were also praying about the same thing with her. She finally said, I don't want to go to college. She said, I know my personality well enough. I'd get caught up in it. And I think it would do damage to my relationship with the Lord. So she opted out. Now she's a missionary, married, five kids, been on the mission field for, gosh, 12 years now. Wow. But her two best friends... The parents of both those best friends are very good friends of mine. And both of them really pressured their kids to go to college. Um, and one of them in particular, she's one of my very best friends, and her and her husband, neither one of them went to college, and so the culture told them that because they never went to college, they missed out on opportunities in their life, and that they didn't do as well because they didn't go to college. And they believed that. So when their daughter said she might not want to go to college, they said, but you have to go to college because we didn't get the opportunity and you need to have that opportunity in your life because then you'll have more value. And that's really how they saw it. And they're godly people. And I called up my girlfriend. I said, what are you doing? Like, you really want to send her into the lion's den if that's not where she wants to go? Well, we just really think that she needs that, that opportunity. You know, that, that will open more doors for her. And I'm thinking, open more doors for her. She just wants to be married and have kids. Like, this is the culture we buy into, gals. So these girls went to college, and this one, she's not even walking with the Lord anymore. She's been through two marriages now. 
She's miserable. She was my daughter's best friend. They don't even speak to each other anymore. The, the college, and it was a Christian college, very liberal Christian college, it ruined her. It stripped her of her faith within the first two years that she was there. And my friend called me not too long after all of that went down, and she said, I should have listened to you. I said, you know, we do what we do, and she's in God's hands. So now all we can do is pray for her, you know. And so it's, it's a, it, this is what we buy into, gals. And we need to be really, really careful, with, especially with, like, our kids and our grandkids. Like, what, it, what, are you, what are you believing for them? Because does it say in the Bible anywhere that you should go to college? I don't think I can find a chapter and verse for that one. You know? No. That's a cultural thing. It's a cultural thing. Now, I know another young gal who did a gap year, and she came and served in the mission field with our daughter and son-in-law for six months. And she was praying, and she felt very strongly, even though she wanted to go in the mission field, that God called her to go to the college campus instead in West Virginia. This girl was radical. She went to that college campus and started a prayer group. And by the time she left in her fourth year, they probably had 50 kids get saved, and they had a prayer group going of like 100 kids on campus. I mean, she, and that was her purpose in being there. Yeah, she went to classes, and yeah, she did well. But her heart there was to be a light for Jesus because she was called there. Completely different picture, you know? And now she's back in ministry, graduated from college, and her prayer group ministry on campus is still going strong. So you see the, the, the difference? So don't buy into the culture. Wait on the Lord for those kinds of things. What else is there? I was talking with this gal here today. I'm sorry, your name again is? Christina. Christina. Military. Yeah. I sent my son to the military. Uh-huh. I was teaching. I was um, in church, having him walk the church. As soon as he got there, it damaged everything I could have known. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. I could have ever taught him. It's okay. And now he's mm-hmm. fully 100% on the other side. Mm-hmm. Well, so. Get people praying for him. There I'm are seats where the God And you know, don't take that on yourself because sometimes we do those things. But you know what? Where, where's God in that? Is God going, dang it, why'd you do that? No. Hold on. He says, it's okay. I can redeem that. And I will redeem that. Forgive yourself. Move on. And trust me. And keep praying. Keep loving. You know? That's all you can do. We make mistakes. There's no question about it. The other thing I wanted to share about with Christina that I talked to her at lunch about is she has a husband, they have no children in the home, and he wants her to stay home and be his wife. And I think that's awesome. <laughs> Woo! But the culture tells her, what? That she should have a job. You don't work and you don't have kids at home. Even if you did have kids at home, you should be working. Like, where's your value? You should be making money. You know? And you worked all your life. You started working when you were 14. You, that, that cultural thinking was, was beat into you. And we, a lot of us have that. We come into our Christianity with these cultural things that have been beat into us, and then we continue in them. Instead of stepping back and saying, wait a minute, is this even something that God would have me continue to do? You know, I, it breaks my heart when I see women who have children at home and they go get a job. I'm like, really? You know, now sometimes... Situations like that come up, and I'm not going to say that if you are doing that, I'm not going to put you under a law, (laughs) okay? I understand that sometimes there are circumstances. But if you didn't have to do that and you choose to do that, I would really take that before the Lord. Because your greatest ministry is always 
in your home with your husband first and your children. And if you can't do that effectively because of something that you want to do, I mean, I've had women tell me literally that it's easier to have a job than raise their children. They'd rather let someone else raise their kids because it's easier just to go to their job. And I've been there. When I, before I got saved, I put my baby in childcare at three months and said, I'm going back to work. It's a lot easier than this. You know? And then I spent the first two years working and dropped the baby off at 6 in the morning, picked the baby up at 6 at night. You know? And then I got saved, and the Lord went, you have a choice now. What would you like to do? And I went, wow, I want to be home with my kids. You know? that, that, I, that was my heart. And it took time to get there, but we did it. You know? So buying into the culture, be really careful about that. Um, you know, the culture tells you all those things, right? You should be thin, you should be beautiful, you should be successful, you should be talented. I mean, what else does the culture tell you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, keeping up with the Joneses, you got to have the bigger and the better. You know, oh, I don't have the iPhone 7. Well, that's good because it blows up and catches on fire. So maybe you don't want the iPhone 7. <laughs> but, you know, it's like i got to have the bigger and the better. I, you know, like, oh, I just got this computer six months ago, but it's obsolete. I need to go get another one. Oh, I just bought this car. It only has 20,000 miles on it, but it's outdated. I need another one. Oh, my house isn't big enough. My, you know, on and on. That's all cultural stuff. And there's no freedom in it. Let it go. Let it go. I used to have a beautiful home. I come from a very wealthy background. And so I was all about beautiful homes, fancy cars, fancy clothes. Now, honestly, I really don't care much. I mean, I used to have this massive wardrobe. My wardrobe fits in this big of a closet now. I almost laugh. My husband really laughs. You know, I just don't care anymore. I used to go shopping with my girlfriends in Southern California whenever I would go out for the past wise retreat. <laughs> We'd all go shopping. The last few times I've gone out, they're like, let's go. We're going to go to TJ Maxx and Ross. And I'm like, I don't even want to go. There's nothing I need. Nothing. I, I don't need another purse. I don't need another pair of shorts. I don't need another dress. I don't care. I have enough. I have enough. So do you all have enough? You all have enough. So stop the madness. Stop the madness, you know? So we are not of this world, not what this world sees as, as success, but what God sees as success. And what does God see as successful? Yeah. It's actually the word in the Bible is prosperous. And a lot of times we will see verses that say that God will make us prosperous. Um, let's go to Jeremiah 29.11, of course. Again, beat that one. We probably don't even have to turn there because we all know it, right? For I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And in some versions it says to prosper you. And what that word prosper means, I love this word, because what it means is to move you forward in your faith, to move you forward in your relationship with me. That is what God's idea of prospering is. God's idea of prospering is never of this world. He doesn't care if you have one penny or a million pennies. He wants to move you forward in your faith and in your relationship with him, and then you will be successful in God's sight. You will be prosperous in God's sight. Now, you might not be in the world, but that's okay. The world might think you're crazy, 
that's even better probably <laughs> you know so being careful to understand what's important to God as opposed to what the world sees as important and people will get in your space boy they don't have a problem with getting in your space about this stuff do they I mean when our daughter said she was going to go to college my husband is a pastor of a church and people are coming up to my daughter and saying you're not going to go to college what is wrong with you People are coming up to us and saying, how can you not let your daughter go to college? And I am like, what is wrong with you people? Like, I, I want my, God, my daughter to go where God wants her to go. And she doesn't believe she's being called to go to college, so leave her alone. And they, were, they wouldn't leave her alone. Like, they were going to her. I'm like, shame on you. <laughs> I'm a mama bear. Leave my girl alone. <laughs> you know? Yeah? You are going to say something? Mm-hmm. just had a heart to just mm-hmm. go tell the world about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So she graduated, graduated, she's about to graduate from high school and her parents are pushing her to go to college. Mm-hmm. Pushing, pushing, no, you have to go to college. After you're done with, you know, do your degree, go do yep, whatever you want, but you're going to college. So, um, I had, so she came to my mm-hmm. husband, who was her youth pastor, and said to us, I don't know what to do, she's in tears, you know, I want to be obedient respectful to my parents, but I know God has called me to this, and blah, blah, blah. And she said, would you talk to them? Mm. So he made the mistake <laughs> of going to them and just saying, you know, have you listened to her heart? Mm-hmm. That's all he said. You know, have, have you sat down right. and listened yeah. to her heart? And these are believers. Oh, yeah. Love Jesus. On mm-hmm. fire for the Lord. Parents. Mm-hmm. He got fired the next mm-hmm. week. <gasps> wow. Shut. Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's the thing, because the church has bought so heavily into the culture that we've lost he didn't even sight. Say yeah. Anything about? Yeah. He just questioned. He just said he questioned their parenting. To her. Yeah. I it's sad. I had a we did a gap program for a while where we were taking kids who come out of high school and they want to take like a year off and go do missions work before they go to college. We had a young man who wanted to do the program so badly. And he called and interviewed with us, and he told my husband, you know, all I've, all I've ever wanted to do is be a missionary since I was a little kid, and I know that's what I want to do. And he says, my dad wants me to go to college and be a doctor because he's a doctor, and he wants me to follow his footsteps, and I have no interest at all in doing it. And so he was interviewing with us, and my husband said, well, so uh, do your parents know that you're doing this? Like, are you? And he was like, well, actually, no, I was hoping you might talk to my dad. And my husband's like, you know what? He said, I, I really can't step into that, but you're 18 years old, and you have a, a relationship with the Lord that is yours. So you have to stand up to your parents if that's what you really believe God's calling you to do, and you have to be able to say, no, I'm not going to do this, no matter what the consequence of that would be. And his dad told him that he would disinherit him if he didn't go to, to college. Disinherit him. I, is that crazy? I go... I, and these are believing parents. I, I'm not understanding this. But this is how far we can slip into the culture if we're not careful. I have seen many young people who wanted to be in missions and their parents pressed them the other direction. I had one gal that told her daughter, you need to go to college first, then you can go to the mission field because then you'll have, get this, a backup plan. And I called her. She was a friend of mine. I said, she needs to have a backup plan in case what? God fails her? I, I'm not really sure what you're talking about. 
well, you know, if it doesn't work out in the mission field. I'm like, what kind of thinking is this? You know, yeah. And her daughter never ended up out in the mission field. Breaks my heart. She was totally a missionary, like all over her, everything about her. Did she? Oh, praise the Lord. Good. She went to college for a year. Yeah. Came back after her first year and told her parents, like, I am miserable. Like, all I want to do is go serve Jesus. Yeah. They said, okay. They called us and apologized oh, to us. Oh, praise the Lord. My husband, you know, we moved yeah. on to a different ministry, which was a way better fit for us. Amen. <laughs> so what we want to make sure that we're looking at is God's idea of prospering, God's idea of success, and not the world's idea of success, not the world's idea of prospering, Okay. Um, that, that proverb, Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. The word there is the same word as prosper. He will prosper your path. So again, we want to be prosperous in the Lord. Completely different picture than prosperous in the world. So what does God say should be our focus? Well, in terms of things that the world tells us, the world tells me I should be beautiful and thin and fit and healthy and all these things. And God says to me, right now, the way I stand here today, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. You are perfect in my sight. I love and adore you. And I wouldn't change a thing. And I will make beauty for ashes. And I will make all things beautiful in their time. And so on and so forth. This is God's culture. I want to live in that culture. I like that culture. That culture is a beautiful culture. That culture tells Teresa Reibster, who I think is absolutely adorable and gorgeous, that she is adorable and gorgeous. The world's culture tells her differently. The world's culture tells me I'm terribly fat. You know? I mean, I go to stores and little kids go, Mom, she's so fat! And I'm like, and I'm proud of it, man. You know, no. and, you know I'm not proud of it, but I don't it doesn't, it doesn't consume me. Now, there were times in my life when it did, you know, because I bought into the culture and I heard all those voices in my head. And I say, enough, enough, enough. I'm not going to buy into that and be crushed by that and be swayed by that and be drawn away from my relationship with God by that because that is not who I am. And one day when I go to heaven, I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to be perfectly beautiful and I can hardly wait. It'll be really fun. That's right. <laughs> Amen. That is so important. I know it. God's going to say you can have pretty nails in heaven too. And then the other thing is even like with bodily exercise. What does the Bible say about body, bodily exercise? It doesn't profit but just a little. Right? But spiritual exercise profits a lot. Right? So again, my girlfriend who's so caught up in bodily exercise that she hardly has any more time for her spiritual exercise now. And that's going to that's gonna continue to affect her until she's way out here and she's going to wonder how she got there when she stops reading her Bible completely and she leaves fellowship almost completely. Like, do you see what I mean? Like, be careful. Be careful. You know? <clears throat> and... Um, so I think we got the idea. Okay. Um, so get out one of your little note cards. And again, you're going to write one, two, three. And then I want you to take a moment and pray. And I want you to write down areas in your life where you've bought into the culture and it's time to stop. You are not of this world.
Oh, here's an important one for ladies like us. Okay. Anybody have that, get that simple magazine? Is that the one magazine? It's the, yeah, like simple magazine. Anybody get house and garden? No, nobody gets magazines anymore. Because they come online, right? Pinterest, Pinterest. Okay, who all does Pinterest? <laughs> okay, there it is. How many of you covet on Pinterest? Uh-huh. How many of you covet on Pinterest? Okay. She called you. Now we laugh about it. But you know where that will lead you to? That will lead you down a rocky path. Because what will happen if you keep on looking at those things? You will covet. Why doesn't my house look like that? Why don't my kids' rooms look like that? Why does it, you know? Yeah? There you go. Exactly. But we really do need to be careful because it will lead us into discontentment. And then we'll always be striving to make something look better and be nicer and we want to look like the world and we bought into a culture that we are not a part of. My daughter, she ordered the Simple Magazines and we get them shipped down to Honduras for her. And it's a beautiful magazine. If you've never seen a Simple Magazine, wow. Talk about money. And it's all about like uh, recipes and simple decorating, but it is not simple at all. It's absolutely <laughs> beautiful. I mean, I open that magazine and I go... Okay, not looking at that. So she's looking at her one of her simple magazines because she came back to the States a few weeks ago to drop her kids off, and she's sitting there looking at it, and all of a sudden she stops, and she goes, Mom, I need to quit getting this magazine. And I'm thinking, yeah, I was going to tell you that a long time ago, but again, I can't change her. You know, like if I say to her, you shouldn't be reading Simple Magazine because you're going to covet, do you think she's going to receive that? No, but she'll receive it from God, and God convicted her in that moment because she realized that she was sitting there reading it that she was thinking about her home her very humble home down in Honduras and she was thinking about how she wants to have a home like that and that that's normal like I want a normal life with a house like this and I'm looking at it going there's nothing normal about that (laughs) that's like a multi-million dollar living room you know but you see what I mean and it leads you into places you don't want to be and then you start running around to yard sales or God forbid you get the credit card out and go put $20,000 on it and buy yourself that stuff you know, so it's a dangerous path to get ourselves caught up in the culture of the world and what they tell us is right and good and, and successful and whatnot, okay? So again, where are your areas where you bought into the world's culture? It's time to say, I am no longer of this world. I'm not going to be under their directive anymore. think even things like what would make you happy like the world says what makes us happy like the world says you can't possibly be happy if you don't drink and eat and be merry the world says you can't possibly be happy without those sorts of things but that's not true is it because my joy comes from the Lord my strength my joy comes from my strength and my relationship with Jesus right 
the joy of the Lord is my strength. Mm-hmm. I just feel like um, one of the ways the world really creeps in in, the, in our Christian walks is through multimedia music mm-hmm. and just a word of caution, you know, what are you watching on the TV, internet, Absolutely. what are you listening to, to your music, is it glorifying God? Amen. Garbage in, garbage out. We all know the rule, don't we? Now again, backpedaling on that a little bit, don't set up a law either because you know you got to be so careful like the, the, um, the culture that we're in right now, the community we're in. You know, we go to these music parties and they want to sing Beatles songs and stuff and I'm okay with that. I'm not going to run out of there and go, oh, you know, it's okay. Like, I, you know, I sing Beatles songs with them, you know, it's okay. And then I share Christian songs with them. And they are like, wow, that's a really cool song. It's more you know? what I'm referring to but, also is what do you believe? Mm-hmm. What you're listening to oftentimes we begin to believe that. Yeah, very much so. You know? Words are so powerful. Words are very powerful. Mm-hmm. Words are very, very powerful. And they will affect you over time. It's like that voice in your head. Anybody have a voice in their head? I have a voice in my head. And for a long time, that voice in my head was always telling me terrible lies about the things that I wasn't and not good enough and this and that and that. And I just go, no more. I'm not listening to that voice in my head anymore. Satan, you shut up. You get out of my head because I'm not going to believe that, you know. So as we look at this, and, and <coughs> Teresa's very right, Be very, especially like, you know, you're on social media and Facebook, and there's all kinds of weird stuff on there. Like, just, you know, really be careful. I don't just friend anybody on Facebook. I have a very small number of friends, and I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook. But, you know, there's people that have, like, hundreds of friends, and most of them they don't even know. And I'm like, why would I want to have somebody as a friend that I don't even know? They're like, how can I even trust the things that they might post? I, you know, I've unfollowed people, and I don't have a problem with unfriending people who, like, I go, I, I don't want to see that, and I don't want to be a part of that. That's okay. Those are important decisions to make. We're so worried about hurting people's feelings and offending people. Well, you're offending God, and I think that's a little bit more important 
than offending people. You know, so let's consider that in our social media use. So how do we overcome the culture and the pressure of this world? What are some of the things that you can do to overcome that? Yeah, absolutely. Read the real culture because this is your culture. This is your world. This is your truth. And the more you know this, the easier it's going to be for you to recognize when the culture is taking over and to flee from it. So you have got to be in the Word and know the truth. And you've got to be able to say, that's not a biblical concept, so I'm not even going to receive that. It's really important to be able to do that. And it's okay to be able to say to people, no, I don't agree with that. You know, I'm going to stick with what I believe God is calling or what God says. And, and just being able to keep yourself in the culture that you should stay in and not get lost in this culture. And then the other thing is just a lot of what we did before, like speaking out against those things in my life. You know, um, I, I used to do, like Teresa was talking about, I, and, and this was before I, I came out, I hate to use those words, but before I shared my testimony and tried, started talking about my past. And so before that, this is things I would do. I would stand in front of the mirror sometimes and say, you are so stupid and ugly and useless and seriously. And I was just like, I was I self-loathing. I hated myself because of the shame that had consumed me. And so I would stand there and say those things about myself. And then when I finally started moving towards freedom from all of that, I just went, wow, like, stop that. Like, and how long had the Holy Spirit been saying to me, stop that? You know, so now I'm going to say, no, I am fine the way I am, and I am fine with what I have, and I am content. I have learned to be content in every situation, just like Paul said. So, ladies, that's where you need to go with this. Move away from the culture and say, I'm content in my Christian culture, and if you're not, then you need to seek the Lord on why you're not. Because we should not be needing from the world. If we're really walking with the Lord and seeking him, we should find our contentment solely in that place. And then that will enable us to be in the world, but not of the world. Do you see the difference? So then we can be that light. Then we can be that peace. You know, because we're not bought into their culture. Let's go over and look at 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 to end. So again, you need to take your cards and look at those things, and then you need to speak out against them. I'm not of this world, so I'm no longer going to X, Y, Z. You know? I'm no longer going to buy into this. And maybe you have to go back and do some damage control. Um, You know, my girlfriend with her daughter... She, you know, said to her, I, I'm sorry that we pressured you and did that to you. And, and this is where she ended up, you know. So maybe you have to go back and say, you know, I thought it was the right thing at the right time, but I realize now that it was a cultural thing and not really what God might have had. And that's okay. I mean, we need to be willing to confess our mistakes in order to set things right in order to help other people to come back into the culture of Christ. Amen? And quit looking in the mirror and telling yourself you're not good enough or you're not pretty enough. That's just the worst. Absolutely the worst. Stop it. Write on your mirror, I'm beautifully, wonderfully made, whatever. Like, and believe it. 
See yourself through Christ's eyes, not through the eyes of the world. So, again, taking those and praying for the Lord to help you to be a victor, an overcomer. Not a victim, but a victor. Having victory in Christ. Amen? And be careful, because those little voices from the world, they're just yelling. We have so many voices around us, don't we? So many voices telling us, you should do this and you should do that and buy into this. And, oh, you know, if you, I always love the, the beer commercials. Like, what is with the beer commercials? Like, you know, there are all these beautiful gals and all these exciting things going on. And it's like, if you drink beer, this will be your life. Like, I don't think so. You know, yeah. <laughs> but that's what the culture would have you buy into and believe, you know. So being really careful to pay attention because the enemy likes to come in under the radar, huh? He's stealth. And he comes in under the radar and he sticks things into our lives. And before we know it, we grab a hold of that concept before we even realize that it's not a biblical cultural thing, that it's a world's culture. And then we're in it. And then we're like, what the heck? You know, how did I get here? So pay attention. Pay attention. And then I think it's so important to remember um, that we are to be in this world for purposes of Christ. And we're going to talk about that here in a few more minutes and go into that a little bit more. In detail, so um, okay. So First Peter two eleven and twelve says this, beloved. So this is God speaking to you. So I want you to just listen to this, beloved. I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts that war against your soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as an evil doer, they may by your good works which they observe. Glorify God in the day of visitation. Amen? So he says, I beg you, as pilgrims, abstain from the things of this world so that you can truly be a light for me, so that you will bring me glory with your life. And not by what you do. It's not your works that bring God glory. It's who you are in him as you rest in him. You know, it's like that gal that we're ministering to in Puerto Morales. We did nothing, honestly, other than go to Spanish class with her. And she said, you have peace and you have joy and I want it. That's what the world wants. And they can see it in you if you get away from all the other stuff that's trying to bury it. Sin, the culture, the law. Get out from under it. Be free. And be a light. Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for just the reminders this morning, Lord. I'm, I'm just really encouraged and lifted up. And Lord, I know that you tell us that we are to always examine our lives, Lord, so that nobody else will have to judge us. And so, Lord, help us to regularly be watching out for these things that want to come in and snare us and snag us and drag us down, Lord, whether it's sin in our lives that we get caught in, whether it's law that we set up or someone else's law that we find ourselves trying to live under, uh, or, Lord, whether it's the culture of this world and the world system, which right now is really the last place we want to be. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to stand up, to stand in your culture, in your word, in your love, in our relationship with you, that we might be that light to this world. And, Lord, that we would be free, free from these things, truly free to just be who we are, where we are, 
with what we have. Lord, just trusting you for what you want to do. And um, we just give you the praise, Lord, and as we continue on today, Lord, may you speak to us and may you change us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.